Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. Not with me yet. Uh, he'll be here in a few minutes, but he's running late. Is uh, Akiva Wheels Wienaker. But uh, back for his annual, I mean, I think he's here more than once a year, but his annual uh, ranking of every movie that he saw in the last year, and year is a uh, loosely defined term, which we'll get into in a second, is Av Sinensky. Av, I haven't spoken to you on a podcast in so long. Yeah, it's been days. Yeah, hours. Um, yeah, so, you know, we sent you our, you sent us the list and said, which movies have you guys seen? Do we need to talk about? And um, I have not seen very many movies this year, obviously. Akiva has seen a few more than me, but still not a lot. Both yeah, usually, us- usually Akiva does. Uh, I won't say the heavy lifting, but the medium sized lifting mm, on the yeah. uh, host's end here. Well, what, what I normally try and do to a less he tries to see before the Oscars, like all the movies, I try and see not all of them, but like a significant chunk of like at least the ones that are like in your top 10 or the ones that are nominated for Best Picture. By the time of the of the of the Oscars, I usually see them. And I'm just I'm much less motivated to do so this year. So I guess tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm stupid. Tell me why I'm missing so many great films. Um, so I mean, I guess what I would say by my overall take on this year and again, year is kind of a weird term. Um, the Oscars for this year um, are those movies that came out, I think, since March of 2021, because the 2020 Oscars uh, incorporated movies that came out through, I think, either February, March. So there's there's some double counting um, when I when I made my list this year. There's some movies that I counted from last year. Yeah. Um, my overall take on the on the year is that in in the best thing I could say about this year is that it just felt like a very normal movie year, um, and that's just kind of as compared to 2020, where things were just so weird because there was no movies released in theaters, so many movies got delayed till 2021. And this year just felt like thoroughly normal. Like there was a bunch of movies that I got to see in a movie theater. There were movies coming out consistently every single week. Um, I think this is a year where this is not a top heavy year. I think there's very few movies that were like absolute must-sees this year, like all-time great movies, anything like that. Uh, But I think there was a lot of quantity of good, solid stuff that was worth watching and that I uh, got something out of. So um, if there was a year to take off in recent memory, other than last year, which was obviously the year to take off, but um, if there was a year to take off in recent memory where, you know, there weren't those must-see movies that were, you know, you'll just be kind of like missing an entire conversation of of pop culture. uh, This may have been the year. So not a bad job by the 32 fans host this year. <laughs> All right. So I'm glad we're vindicated. And I'm looking at your list. You only have 95 movies on your list. Usually you're in the triple digits. Uh, I wouldn't say usually in the triple digits. I'm oh, usually okay. in the high double digits, sometimes in the low, sing- in the low triple digits. Um, yeah, there's. I think there's probably been like two or three years where I went over 100. Uh, I've, been tr- I've been trying to get that number down a little bit over the last few years. Uh, I-, I failed this year, still coming in at 95. Um, I've been trying to like focus more on TV watching and old movie watching. Uh, but, you know, there's something about those new releases that just always uh, reel me in. I'm like, I, I like uh, being up to date on what's going on out there. Hmm. Okay, now let's um. And again, where Akiva is going to join us at some point. He gave you the list of the movies that he wanted to talk about. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Between the two of you, you guys gave me like ten movies total. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> sure how you want to proceed here. Did, did he say that in the chat? I don't remember he said that. Um. All right. Well, you have it. Uh, so I'm looking at your yeah. list, starting at the bottom. Ninety five is the net. Uh, you have Sing Two at ninety two. I saw previews for that when I took my kids to other movies. It looked very enjoyable for kids. Uh, why is it no good? Yeah, uh, well, I would say it's no good. I just see it's not a movie. Um, It's really like a concert 
filmed through animation. Like the whole, most of the movie is just like performance of songs and the songs were like enjoyable enough. It's like hip hop songs being, you know, shown on screen with like cartoon animals singing them. Um, there just like wasn't really a movie there, in my opinion. I uh, I wasn't a big fan of Sing One either. Um, I would I wouldn't recommend that you go see uh, Sing One if you for whatever reason you have to find yourself watching Sing Two. Uh, you'll uh, figure out what's going on and uh, save yourself an extra hour and a half of what I then uh, I enjoy. Which, I actually, one, you know, which one is better? Is this a Godfather situation or Sing Sing One has at least has like a plot to it. Sing Two is like I'm like to me it was like literally just like an extended performance. Well, it's a vibes movie. It's not a pop movie. It's a vibes movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a hangout movie. You have to hang out with a bunch of cartoon animals that sing. Okay. Um, scrolling through this list, going through this list at 69, we get to don't look up, which I know you are very much not a fan of, although you have it ranked higher than like 30 movies here. Um, but people in Hollywood seem very excited about this movie. It's getting nominated for lots of stuff. Yeah. I mean, don't look up. Like I didn't hate it so much because like, I actually enjoyed the experience of watching it. Like it was entertaining enough, like, and it has like tremendous star power. I mean, it's just like littered with a list celebrities in this movie. And, you know, I laughed, a, a, you know, a decent amount and, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of like was along for the ride for a good portion of it. It's just like so over the top and heavy handed in what it's trying to say about climate change and just like making it like mm. it's like not even like satire. Yes. It's just like so ridiculous, like and heavy handed and just like I just like I, I can't believe that this movie is being taken seriously. Yeah. And, and yet it is. And I, yeah, I'm not sure why. Um, you know, I've I've like heard podcasts where they just talk about it in passing. Oh, don't look up was so great. But they, then they sort of move on and they don't discuss why it was so great. Um, important, you could say, sure. But then again, you ask the question, is it convincing a single person? Um, and I'm going to guess no. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to convince people about climate change that you can't like reduce the, you know, the risks of it and, and the decisions around it to like a literal meteor hurling towards the earth that will literally destroy the earth in 30 days or whatever, whatever the timeline is in the movie. Like that's not what at all, what the risks of climate change are and like, and doing so does not do justice to its actual threats. Um, in my opinion, to me, this movie was like much more interesting as like a commentary on like the stars itself. Hollywood. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like I, like I took touch much more out of just like the experience of seeing Meryl Streep who like, you know, famously publicly clashed with Trump at award ceremonies, basically playing a female version of Trump. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio playing this just like very against type character. Yeah, Leonardo um, DiCaprio played like an unattractive nerd who nobody wants to have sex with. And uh, yeah, it doesn't. Really yeah. Matter. So like that, that aspects of it to me, um, I found like a lot more intriguing than like anything I have to say about uh, climate change, which was all very reductive in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, at 67, you have the many saints of Newark, which um, I assume you like me, you know, not a Sopranos groupie in the way of like, um, you know, uh, Mrs. Sesternino, for example, but we're both big right. fans of Sopranos. And this movie generally underwhelmed, I think, um, you know, it's a big problem, obviously, that James Gandolfini's dead. Um, I mean, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but for, for the, you know, they, they speak for yourself. Yeah. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> they're forced to make this prequel with like no like, you know, and, and the, the funnest part to me was seeing who. They, oh, look, that's Corey Stoll playing Uncle Junior. Like that was the funnest yeah. part to me, seeing who they yes. cast to play all these roles, basically. Yeah. I mean, this movie to me is just like a complete nothing. Um, if you're not a Sopranos fan, like the story on its own was not interesting at all the idea yeah. that like this is the story that they chose to tell about um you know who, who, i can't even remember the guy's name the what was it like uncle junior's brother yeah, I, don't, or, I don't remember anymore. i don't even remember but i was like and then it's like oh you get like a little shot here of like carmella and like you know tony obviously is like you know he's there but like he's not really a main character like i, I don't even understand like what the point was like there was like that kind of like fan servicey stuff which was like cool to see but like the story just like did not work itself on its own and like if you're not a sopranos fan like there's zero reason to see this at all yeah um how would you compare it to the Breaking Bad movie? Although that wasn't a prequel. That was a yeah, sequel, I, thought, I guess. I thought the Breaking Bad movie was you know, much what do you, better. You call it a sequel. What do you call a movie that takes place right after a TV show? A sequel? But it's not a sequel because can Why you not? call it? Is it a sequel when a movie follows a TV show? I don't know. Maybe. A continuation uh, yeah, of the story. Fine. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I thought I thought the Breaking Bad El Camino was uh, was significantly better. It was like I thought it was actually an interesting story. It wasn't necessarily the story I would have chosen to tell. Like I thought this was it was El Camino was going to take place like in the more distant future than like immediately picking off where, you know, where Jesse's story left off. But, you know, I thought it was it was worthwhile. It examined the character. We got to see a little bit more. There were some payoffs. Um, I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was far better than many Saints of Newark. OK, and now and again, well, hopefully wheels will join us at some point as I continue scrolling through your list. I have nothing. I haven't seen anything else in your in your bottom like fifty. 
So right. is there anything here that you feel we should talk about? House of Gucci is on my list. I really want to see it. I was excited for it, but uh, you're not a big fan, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was OK. It was another one of those where, like, it was, like, enjoyable enough for, like, the first hour. Um, again, like, the star power is great. Lady Gaga is excellent in it. Um, there's just, like, only so much of just, like, seeing these people, like, doing, like, very thick, over-the-top Italian accents uh, before, you know, I kind of just, like, lost interest. OK. Um, last duel, I heard a lot of negative things, but also was sort of, like, um, House of Gucci, just because the, the names involved, I was excited to see it. It's still on my to-do right. list. Do you think I should yeah. skip it or? Um, I would skip it. I, um, I mean, the, the whole like gimmick of the last duel is that it tells the story through three different perspectives, which is like, you know, it's been done before and, you know, could be interesting, except like in this case, the, the, the additional perspectives, like in my opinion, didn't really add anything at all. Like there was like very little to any new information or at least relevant new information that they got from like the three different portrayals of this uh, sexual assault. Um, if any, it was just like from the first story, you're like, oh, OK, like he sexually assaulted her. He's very bad. Um, it hmm. didn't really uh, to, I didn't really get why they uh, felt the need to rely on that device. Um, and it just made it end up the whole movie to me just felt like overlong and redundant. Um, like you're literally seeing the same thing, like three different, like 45 minute episodes um, from different perspectives, but like without any additional like relevant material. All right. So not not a strong recommendation for you. No, I don't. I don't think so. All right. Um, I'm looking here. You have a, at 51 on your list, gunpowder milkshake, which sounds like gunpowder milkshake and licorice pizza. They could like mix up those boys <laughs> in any order to come up with the name of a movie. Yeah, I uh, I drink your gunpowder milkshake. Mm. Yeah, gunpowder yeah. milkshake was very fun. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I guess I could have probably put it even higher than I did. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so maybe maybe I was uh, too low on it when I ranked it. It's kind of just like this like a uh, female action movie and it kind of involves this uh underground world of assassins and it was very it was like a, a quick breezy fun watch it's on netflix um that's one i would actually recommend that people check out despite my relatively low ranking okay it's kind of and, just like a fun popcorn movie okay um look at us look at your list here you know we, we've had this conversation the last couple of years like what defines a movie what makes something a movie or, or you know a tv show or you know like there's an infinite yeah. number at this point of documentaries on all the streaming services like mm -hmm. there was a point five years ago where i was like well every time a documentary comes out i'm going to see it and now that's like literally like literally impossible there's not enough like there's too many you could watch till the end of time um so i'm curious you have woodstock 99 peace love and rage on you on this list you don't have the rest of the um, music documentaries in that HBO series, Music Box or whatever they're calling it. Right. Um, so I'm just curious how you decide what you put on your list, what you don't put on your list. Yeah, I mean, Woodstock 99, I guess, was I was just like hearing a lot of buzz about like how crazy the story was. And um, that like very much panned out. Like I did not know much about Woodstock 99. I knew that like it was famously like an epic disaster in terms of like how it ran. But like I, I didn't know the extent to which like basically like full blown riots uh, broke out during it. Um, and like the extent of just like the, the sexual abuse that was going on there and just all sorts of like horrible stuff. Um, the, to me, the most interesting thing about it, they, they, they detail at great lengths the, the process by which they were like essentially trying to recreate 60, uh, Woodstock 69 for a new generation yeah. uh, without understanding that this generation had like no care for or interest in Woodstock. And like they like literally had somebody get up there and like start playing the Star Spangled Banner as an homage to Jimi Hendrix doing so at the original Woodstock. And like nobody cared or understood or knew what it was. So like it was very much like, you know, an older generation trying to like force its culture onto a younger generation. And just they were like completely unaware of the fact that there was just like no connection there at all. Uh, so I thought that aspect of it was very interesting. Obviously, the uh, you know, there's some very upsetting stuff that happens there, but that's, you know, worth uh, knowing about and understanding what caused it. Yeah. And it's interesting, as you say this, it reminds me of um, Chuck Klosterman's uh, book, The 90s, which um, did you read that book? Yeah, I just finished it like a week yeah. ago. Yeah. So, yeah, me too. I, I, he didn't he didn't touch on Woodstock 99 that I recall, but he certainly could have because he's sort of talking like one of the big um, sort of fundamental beliefs of Generation X uh, in the 90s was this belief of like the uh, or the belief of not having beliefs of not caring about anything, of being sort of, right. you know, completely apathetic, um, which I guess runs counter to sort of sort of the the ideological ideas behind the original Woodstock and by the way, the original Woodstock. And I think the movie glosses over it a little bit, like also had tons of sexual assault. Like anytime you put a hundred thousand people in drugs right. and alcohol, like it's going to have a lot of that stuff. And I feel like the movie in trying to make its point underplayed those aspects of the original Woodstock. And I won't say overplayed, but, but, but focused and highlighted on them in the second Woodstock, I would guess the difference wasn't as dramatic in terms of like things like that. I, I'm sure there was more 99, but you know, I, I don't think there's any way that you can have any kind of event like that without uh, having a lot of the, those kinds of events. And also, frankly, people cared about those things even less 
you know, as, as much as we, right. as, as, as little as we appropriately care about them now in a, as, as worse as it was in the nineties and the sixties, it was dramatically worse than that. And so, you know, sounds consent, right. Yeah. Consent was barely, um, have you seen the other uh, music boxes? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's possible I've seen one or two, but I don't, can't think of any off hands. Yeah. So I try to make a point of seeing all of them. Um, the, the Kenny, you know, none of them, the Alanis one, they were all sort of interesting to learn more about somebody about who maybe you, you know, you know, a few songs and you're familiar, but you don't know sort of that much about their backstory, but none of them are, are that illuminating or that necessarily worthy of a, um, of a documentary. I mean, yeah, the, the, just, the, yeah. The, the major, uh, the major music documentary of the year, which unfortunately I did not get around to seeing is uh, summer of soul, which uh, people love. People are raving about it. It was nominated for an Oscar. It has a decent chance of winning. Um, but um, yeah, I just, I didn't get to that. It's, it's uh, it wasn't, it doesn't feature any um, artists whose, whose music I was like that familiar with. And like when I'm watching a music documentary, if I'm not going to like really be into the music, it kind of doesn't work for me. Um, so I just like, it's been on my list forever and I just haven't gotten around to watching it yet. But that's one that's one people should check out if uh, they're so inclined, because people say it's great. OK, um, yeah, I'm just looking anything else in the top half. And and Wheels Wienerker uh, says he's uh, speaking of whom uh, number 20 of a movie called Pig. What's that? Pig, uh, Pig, Pig is a movie people really love. Um, I was mm-hmm. I was not quite as high on it. Um, it's basically a it's kind of like a version of John Wick um where nicholas cage is the john wick role and he's like trying to avenge the uh kidnapping of his truffle pig uh he's like uh he's like this like master chef who who makes these delicious truffles um that apparently a pig is involved in um mm. it's speak uh, of the pig here he is oh hello keith <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, we're talking about uh, we're talking about a movie called Pig, just as you arrived. OK, so I liked Pig. <laughs> I, I know I've had it as above average. Alex, you haven't seen it, right? Correct. I think Pig is going to have like a real second life. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a cult a movie. Cable movie. It's yeah. going to be a cult movie. And Nicholas so it'll Cage be it'll is... be other rewatchables in 10 years. Oh, for sure. I think it will be. Critics really liked it. Yeah. Um, it has a seven on IMDb, seven even, which is to me, it's like the ultimate like 6.8, 6.97 movie. Like, it's not great, but I, I feel like it's pretty original. I it's definitely, it's definitely original. <laughs> Other than it's it, kind of couple, with John Wick, not off. Yeah, I, there's a couple of things I maybe would have done differently. Like I would have made us care maybe a little bit more about the people in the town. I don't know. But like uh, you know, Nicolas Cage is... It's funny as he becomes like less famous and less sort of like important in Hollywood, he, he gets better and better. Yeah, I think there's like a really weird Nicolas Cage movie coming out this year. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it looks very bizarre. It's like he's playing himself I mean, they or should something. Run back. They run back everything and they can't run back face off in Con Air, like <laughs> the most beloved and The Rock, like the most beloved movies from our like teen years. Yeah, face off. Re- a face, a, a face off remake would be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. By the way, someone had a, made a Facebook po- a face off point once like they switch body. They switch bodies. No, they don't switch like, bodies. Did they have they switch faces. They only I mean. switch faces. Yeah. The rest of the body exactly the same. But they're like with like. like uh, or voices. Like, yeah, yes, they have the same like, arms and legs and penis and butt and voice and everything. Else, yes. <laughs> Who says penis? They switch penises. Well, they, they have should... the wrong penis. <laughs> oh, you I didn't see the sequel. Penis? You didn't see the sequel penis off. I'm saying I, I think I would like to think that your like, wife shouldn't their wives have noticed yeah, penis is different than the penis that I'm used to over the last 10 years. Maybe they were just so similar. I don't yeah, know. I guess. Do you, you show? Ha, have you ever met your penis twin? Like if you have you ever been in a shower and noticed another guy said, hey, we're penis twins. Yeah. Every person I've seen, I've said, oh, we're penis. Twins. 
you know, like, um, like, well, like Joey, Joey. First of all, like, how many group showers have I have I really like? I wasn't on a lot of teams. Like, what, what, like? Yeah, and you're not hanging out at gyms. Yeah. So when are you in a group shower these days? That's true. Very rarely. Yeah, you can be like Kramer's Uh, apple. No, uh, you know, I got my eye on you, but this guy's really showing me something. (laughs) (laughs) Just hang on in gyms. I'm looking for my penis twin. You need mm-hmm. a penis double, like you know, if you're in a movie and you can't and you can't do the role, right. or or if God forbid you're like a if you're a, if you're a public figure and there's like an assassination attempt, mm-hmm. everybody should have a penis double. Yeah. So yeah, find I somebody with that. The Thirty-two fans out of context. Um. All right. Well, I guess that is in context. Uh. uh what What's next? What movie's next? All right. So we've basically covered. Um. We're all the way up to Ov's top twenty. So unless there's anything in the top twenty that you really want to cover. Or from beforehand that we, oh, we, yeah, we, before skip, we skipped around a little. You know, yeah. we didn't talk about Red Rocket, which was on the list that you gave me. Or oh, so Red Rocket number 43 on Ob's list. Akiva, what are your takes? I'm in the middle of it, unfortunately. Okay. So I don't have Ob knows Sean Baker is yeah. one of my faves. He made he's made two movies I absolutely loved. Um, but uh I'll say halfway through it's good, but I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's on the level of um yeah, of the, his, hi- of, the, of his the, the highlight is the performance there um, from the lead actor whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, he's really good. Like, just like this, like has this manic energy to him. But the movie itself, um, I, I was pretty unsatisfied by. Sign and uh, have you seen have you seen Starlet? I know you've seen the Florida Project. What was the movie? Starlet. One of his first movies. Starlight. No, I haven't seen that. Starlet. Oh, Starlet. Starlet. I haven't seen that either. I think you I think you'd really like it. I think if you like him, I think you should watch it. I, yeah, I like really. Th- I won't even spoil anything, but I I think you'll end up really caring about the characters in that movie. It's a, it's an interesting movie. Yeah. Uh, Sean Baker also made uh, Tangerine, which is a, a movie about, I think, like uh, transgender prostitutes and filmed it on an yeah, iPhone. And it's yeah. really, really great. Yeah, that's the one between Starlet and the Florida Project. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So, well, let's get into the top 20. OK. Um, well, 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 we should probably uh, go just outside the top 20 at number 21. I have the power of the dog, which uh, is uh, it's uh, stock has fallen a little bit, but still currently is uh, as we head into Oscars weekend, looks uh, poised as the front runner to win best picture. And so but so having it outside the top 21 the is kind Oscars. of an, an insult for your top for a best picture winner, right? Um, I suppose. I mean, there's definitely been years where I've had, uh, the, you know, the presumed best picture or even eventual best picture winner much lower than that. Um, but to okay. me, The Power of the Dog was a movie that I, I liked a great deal. I really appreciated it. I liked it a lot better on the second watch. Um, it's a type of movie that is a it's a really, really slow burn. It really, really demands your like undivided attention. It is not an all a sit on the couch with, you know, your iPhone with your iPhone in your hand watch movie because you'll be extremely bored you'll have no idea what's going on and you'll lose interest um, what about akiva's way of watching movies which is you take several breaks you watch it over several days yeah not ideal every either. time I a mean, movie's ever mentioned akiva's always in the middle of it <laughs> he's in the middle of all the movies yeah um the, the performance I, are... I have like five books i'm reading at the same time yeah i do that too i um, can't even tell you how many books i'm in the middle of you wouldn't mm-hmm. believe me yeah um it's it the movies the 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 performances in it are outstanding. It's extra, it's exceptionally well made. Directed by Jane Campion, she's a lock to win the best director uh, Oscar here. Um, but it's you know it's kind of like a, it's a cinephiles movie. It's not a movie that I would recommend to like all movie watchers. Kiva, I know you. This is one of the ones you saw. So what were your what was your take on it? Uh, the Power of the Dog. Yeah. You're. I mean, you're gonna get mad. Why am I gonna get mad? Because I'm in the middle. <laughs> Oh, you're in the middle of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what is the motivation? Like, why do you start another movie when you have another movie that you haven't I'll, finished? I'll, I'll, I can explain. So, I, you know, I've been working uh, from the office uh, since March 1st. Mm. And I don't have a ton of time to, because I'm out of the office. I'm out of the house from 7 a.m. to 8, 10, 8, 15 p.m. every day. So I don't have a lot of time for fun stuff. And our weekends are shorter here because we basically have Shabbat as our weekends. So other than Thursday night, and I'm recording three podcasts tonight, I got home from work, I took dinner to like my bedroom basically where i'm doing this podcast um i i so the only time i could watch a movie is like right before i go to sleep so i fall asleep watching these movies and then it but depends, then the like, next time like, why do you start a different one why don't you go back to the well because you... i had like a kid around so i couldn't watch red rocket with the kid it was too inappropriate so then i went back to power of the dog i i started coda i eventually finished coda but i started coda about eight or nine times my wife said like she was like spoiling the whole movie and she had not even like attempted to watch it. She just had been in the room enough while it was on doing other things that she knew the whole movie by the time I finished it a couple days ago. I was trying to finish all these movies for the podcast, but I didn't have the normal time I would I would generally have. 
All right. So yeah. let's get to the top 20. We have Belfast at number 20. Yeah. And another best picture uh, nominee, black and white. It's Kenneth Branagh telling about his uh, childhood in Ireland during the, um, the Civil War there. Um, it very much has a lot of Roma vibes, um, which to me is part of why I, uh, I, I didn't love it as much. Um, if I was, it's just impossible not to compare it to Roma, which is a superior film. Do you have any takes? No, I didn't see. I mean, I'll give you takes when I have them. Okay. I didn't see you, didn't even, you didn't even start it. You're not even in the middle. Mm. No, I'm not. I'm not even at the beginning. All right. Office. So number 19 on my list. in and of itself. Well, this shouldn't be on the list. We've discussed this like three years ago. And yeah. we had a whole podcast basically. Yeah. This. Didn't we? Yeah. We no literally did a podcast. I don't know how this ends up on. We did a podcast with Ali, right? Movies list. Yeah. Makes yeah. no sense. So go find the podcast. Was that a patron episode? Maybe. By the way, let's talk about Ali gave you a recommendation for a comedy show. Alex Edelman. Um, yeah. Yeah, former 32 fans guests uh, brother, little brother or or I think Alex older is brother. older than AJ. And so Alex Edelman, who wrote for Workahol, not Workaholics, um, what's what's the one on NBC? Superstore? Maybe. And some other shows. And, and you know, sometimes he's a stand up Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. But also uh, like a like a sitcom writer. Anyway, he um, he had like a one man show. I think it's produced by um, who produced it, Alex? It was uh, Mike Birbiglia, I think. Mike Birbiglia, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jerry Seinfeld gave it his stamp of approval. And Ali said, you have to go see it. The Moes will love it. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, it was very good. Um, I would say the crowd was, I don't know what percentage Moho. We were also in the very first row, so I couldn't really see who was behind me so much. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, it was good. I would definitely recommend it. I'm, it was very thought-provoking. He did a very good job of like, as you're watching, you're like thinking certain things that he hasn't touched upon, and then he touches upon them. Like every single thought I had, he touched upon. Like I'm like, I wonder why he hasn't discussed that. Oh, he does discuss that. Like he sort of he was he does a very good job of like, you know, it's it's one of those situations where like if you were you think there's going to be like t a state tape to Netflix special for people who aren't in New York. Um, It could be. Yeah, I don't know if it's, a, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know how big these shows are. Like, is it as big as in and of itself? So I and I, I but then again, Netflix is things that are super niche. So I don't I don't know the answer to that, but I will watch it again when it comes on Netflix or when it comes on any streaming device. So I'm sure it will at some point. Right. Yeah, I'll watch it on streaming. It would uh, the the time showings for it were very weird it was like it's seven o'clock seven o'clock yeah i don't know what that's about yeah well it's just it's for people who live in the city or work in the city i guess i mean yeah. even people who work in the city are seven o'clock and be tough to make yeah you get out of work at 5 30 you go grab dinner happy hour all right um all right let's get to number 18 it's a movie i've never heard of and and can't and can't do in kanto what is this are you serious that was a joke okay well i have I children are you kidding <laughs> I, I don't know what goes on on this podcast. Okay, you know, you've seen any is, movies. There is nobody in America who has children who has not heard the songs an infinite number of times. And then Perm came, and there was so many parodies. We don't talk about Haman. We don't buy down to Haman. Like so many of them on the internet on YouTube. Um, we've seen them all. My kids know all the words, all these songs, including the words, the Spanish songs, the language they don't speak. So, uh, you know, score one for Lin-Manuel Miranda because uh, he's uh, very skilled at, uh, at making uh, very popular songs. Yeah, this was actually my family's Purim costume. Um, yes, I saw. My, my, my kids have uh, been obsessed with Encanto since we saw it. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, I thought it was really great. It was uh, one of the best Disney movies in like the last bunch of years. Uh, the songs are great. Uh, the story is, you know, different. You know, I'm a big fan of like Disney movies that like aren't obsessed with, uh, you know, like being princesses and stuff because like that stuff has just been overdone so many times. And like, yeah. it's just great to see like different stories being told under that uh, studio. Yeah, I was um, confused because they have a girl who's valued for like her physical strength and not just her physical beauty. It was very, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And like really, I don't know really women can be valued for those other things. Really positive messages. Just like, you know, really fun, really charming, great music. Uh, what's not to love? We just watched it again on Sunday. My kids asked, I don't know why, but they said, can we watch Encanto again? So I said, sure. So um, one of them said to me angrily, everyone in my class has seen it at least 25 times except for me. <laughs> so I was like, fine, so watch it again. I watch it 24 times in a row. I don't care. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to fact check that. But apparently they just play these songs in school all day long. I, when I was a kid, they weren't playing songs in the classroom. I don't know. Can I complain about something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, we don't um, do that on this podcast. So I, I just came home from work. And at five o'clock today at work, they had a FIFA tournament. Okay. And which year FIFA uh, are we talking? I think it's 20. I think it's the second, the most recent one or the most recent one. I'm not sure. And uh, it, it, this was the semifinals of the tournament. I, I was not around when the tournament started. So I was not, I was not in the mix. They had like the semifinals finals. They had pizza. It was fun. But they also had betting. You could bet on any of the four people. So I like placed my bet on the third longest odds, thinking like the guy who was plus 400 was probably way worse than everyone else. 
and he destroyed everyone. The odds were were way off. Uh-huh. Anyway, I had to text my wife after this tournament because uh, they wanted it. The, like the payment was on like an Israeli like payment app that I don't have. She has. So I had to text her and be like, hey, can you send like X amount of money to X? Because like I bet on FIFA at work and I lost all this money. So well, speaking anyway, of, of Jews gambling game. on uh, little sports pools that they shouldn't. So as we're speaking right now, it is March mm-hmm. Madness. It is the Red Sarachek tournament, which is oh. Yeshiva University, the uh, college alma mater of two and a half of us uh, and the mm-hmm. high school alma mater of two of us uh, hosts mm-hmm. a college basketball tournament every March for where it invites mm-hmm. Jewish schools from around the country. And apparently there's an Instagram account, Sarachek Sportsbook, which is listing uh, live odds that people are betting on for Sarachek. Really? And now for it is called. Yeah, for high school games. And now it has caused a controversy. A message has just been sent out. I don't know, to parents or student bodies of schools. It says, mm-hmm. hi, I hope you're doing well. It has come to our attention that a page on Instagram has been created posting betting lines on the Sarachek games. We would like to make it clear that players, coaches, and athletic directors should not be following this page. Like, what, what as a player, is the team going to be disqualified if one of their players is following? Imagine if a high school kid threw a game. Huh? Imagine. Imagine if a high school kid threw a game. That would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, a very, uh, very controversial week in the uh, UCLA basketball. I'm, I'm a... looking, yeah, I'm looking at the lines right now. So we have, um, um, we have Ida Crown in Chicago. They're ten and a half point underdogs with the 12 seed against the five seed Shalevit from LA. We have SAR, the one seed, was a 13 and a half point favorite against Berman, the 60s. They did not cover. That seeding was very bad, apparently. So SAR should not have been a one. Berman should not have been a 16. Uh, says my friend, the exec- executive director. You know, do you, you know about the big SAR Ramaz scandal? Yeah, yeah. They, they, I saw the video of. So you tell the story. I don't know the whole story. I know apparently SAR like blew a huge lead in either a playoff game or a championship game. I don't even These know exactly are just the names of two high schools. People don't have to know. Yeah, there's two Jewish high schools that, in yeah. New York and, yeah. in the, and in the championship of their league, uh, they ended the game on a 19 to two run. And then there was some kind of brawl or fight afterwards, allegedly. Well, I yeah. saw the video. It was a bunch of kids like yelling at somebody as they drove away in their car. It didn't yeah, I think it was it was like days later, like they like showed up at the other school and like apparently there was like some big fight. I don't know. Uh, There's like people right. threatening to join it. Ah, who knows? Whatever. Yeah. Crazy. Let's go back to the let's go back to the. Uh... Yeah. Oh, you don't want me to sp- sh- sh- share the rest of the lines in this tournament that nobody cares about? No. <laughs> um. All right. So, yeah, a lot, lot of high school kids gambling and allegedly throwing games. <laughs> What's the next movie? Oh, okay. Um, the next movie on Ob's list is, and we definitely talked about this last year on the podcast. Yeah. Each of the next two, seventeen is yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Sixteen is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. We talked about both of these last year for sure. Yeah. Right? All right. So check, reference back to last year's podcast. Yeah, and I no saw both of them, and they're good. They're both good. Yeah. Right. Barb, Barb and Star is hilarious. Yeah, very funny. Fifteen is Mass. Yeah, could be, could be uh, many things. Yeah. Uh, what do you think it's about? Uh, I think it's about somebody who weighs a lot and lives in Boston. Yeah, that's wrong. And we should, that's not bad, by the way. It's a good guess. It's and totally to, wrong. It's a funny oh. guess. I did three months. Uh, I'll say this. Um, we should have Alex guess every movie that he hasn't heard of. So, uh, oh, that's okay. Let's do that. Let's do that for the rest <laughs> of the It's like Ali guessing Ali guessing the logos. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. My son Matt... guessed the Sacramento Kings were the electrics the other day. So remind me of that. Well, what would you think the the uh the chargers are? I'll show him the chargers after. That's not yeah. a bad that's not a bad question. Okay. All right. So what is mass mass is a it's like a bottle movie. It takes place all in a single room. And it's uh, basically a conversation between the parents of the of the perpetrator of a mass shooting, no, meeting the uh, the parents of the uh, victims of a mass shooting that, that took place in the school. Uh, it's uh it's very it's a very it's a documentary. No, no, no. It's not a documentary. It's a movie. Margot Martindale is in it. Oh, is it Mar- it's either Margot Martindale or Anne Dowd. I can't remember which one. OK, um, she plays one of the moms. Um, it's it's really outstanding. Um, it's it's um, it's very tough to watch for obvious reasons. It's basically, you know, as a parent, just kind of like imagining yourself in either of those positions and like the, you know, the thought process and unpacking that you have to do to kind of get through that conversation and what you have to deal with when if something like that happened in your life uh, is obviously unimaginable. Um, but, you know, it, it's certainly not a movie I would recommend uh, for the, the light of heart, but it's uh, I thought really worthwhile and really powerful. Mm, OK, um, uh, have, uh, excuse me, Akiva, you have not seen it, right? No. Nope. OK. All right. Number 14, we have The Lost Daughter. Uh, this is, of course, the latest sequel in the Home Alone series. This one is starring <laughs> um, Macaulay Culkin's daughter, um, Michaela Culkin, and Michaela she Culkin. and she's the daughter and she gets lost. Yeah, actually, that's spot on. You nailed it. Oh, okay. All right. So number 13 is <laughs> all right. Uh, what's what's so what is it about? Actually, it is the uh, directorial di- directorial debut from Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, starring yeah. Olivia Coleman as the hmm. uh, older version of a character. Jesse Buckley as the younger version of the same character uh, very much makes use of flashbacks. Um, and it kind of really examines this um, 
aging mom who's you know thinking about her her past as a young as a young mom um and i guess you know kind of just like this portrayal that you don't really see of like ambivalent parenthood um you know the, the types of people that become parents even though they probably shouldn't have never really necessarily wanted to kind of did it because like that's what you're supposed to do in a society um and just like really unpacks that experience and i thought it was really really well done really really great uh, olivia coleman is like the best person uh, performing these days. Um, it's still and- insane to me that she was on this like silly little sitcom peep show for years in England um, for years and years as like not even as the main character. And now she's like, like the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. Yeah. She's phenomenal. And yeah. so she's the, she's worth the price of admission alone. Jesse Buckley is also fantastic as the younger version of her. It's, it's definitely what I would recommend. Okay. Akiva, have you seen it? I'll let you know when I've seen something. Okay. All right. Number 13, uh, there is no evil. This is a very controversial movie for Av to have ranked so highly. I believe this is a, a movie produced by neo-Nazis who are Holocaust deniers. And so they're saying the Holocaust did not happen. There is no evil. <laughs> there is no evil is an Iranian movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a series of like four or five different stories about the uh, the administration of the death penalty in uh in iran um and it, and it shows like you know different stories from different different perspectives they kind of all just like get intertwined thematically um it was i, I thought an astounding movie um I, I each one of the stories was just like very powerful in different ways just kind of showing different elements of the the justice system and the system of crime and punishment um definitely parallels to our own in many ways um definitely definitely one that i would see it's an iranian so that's obviously a challenge for some people but um hmm. I, th- I thought it was really great Akiva, how do you pronounce the country I-R-A-N? Um, Iran. It's Iran, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my, you know, my dad and my dad, you know, is sort of a a classical liberal of his generation, but he's definitely a man of his generation. So he still like uses the word oriental because he's understanding that you shouldn't. And he says Muslim instead of like Muslim (laughs) Muslim. And so he definitely says Iran also. Um, yeah, Iran is only good. It's it, it works better for like puns in English. Like remember the the Iran like the SNL uh, skit, for example. Yeah, so far away. Speaking yeah. of, we just talked about uh his his sister a minute ago. Who Ahmedinejad's? Yeah, it's Jake Jill. It's a it's oh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Jake in that. Gyllenhaal. Okay. Wait, right, Jake okay. Gyllenhaal is Ahmedinejad's sister. Mm, something like that. Well, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Kind right. of. Okay, number twelve. You have to watch the Lonely Island. Number 12 is Passing. Now, Passing is a movie about a, an African-American in the late 1970s who really wants to be an NFL quarterback. But because the NFL is very racist and they don't let black people be quarterback, he has to pretend to be white. So he has to pass as a white uh, person so that he can pass in the NFL. Um, well, an incredible idea for a movie, by the way. OK. <laughs> um, yeah. Passing is a, a Netflix movie shot in black and white, directed by Rebecca Hall, uh, stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega as two African-American women who are trying to pass as white women in, but, but in the NFL, not in the NFL, oh, okay. in, uh, okay. in, you know, 19, uh, I think in 1920s, 1920s society. Um, it's one of those rare movies that's in black and white where the black and white feature is actually necessary because like this movie just like doesn't work if it's in color because um, you know, you could see skin color much more obviously on screen. Um, But it was to to the first like 45 minutes to an hour of this movie was like possibly my favorite movie of the year. It was just like such a different story, something I had never even like really considered or thought about. So why does it drop all the way to 12? Um, well, I, I found that the second half just became like much more conventional. It kind of just turns into like a very conventional, like romantic, like love triangle and gets away from its core theme, which is this whole concept of passing and the ways different people try to pass in society. Um, and it's, you know, it's so like the, if, the, if the movie had ended after an hour, this might have been my favorite movie of the year. But it kind of, to me, like lost traction when it went in a different direction. Hmm. I don't know if I ever said this on a podcast before. When I was a kid, uh, six, seven, eight, I don't know exactly how old I, I used to think that and I used to think that like. But up until like the 1960s, the world was in black and white, like because, you know, pictures and movies from I guess I didn't understand, like, why was there a very stupid thing to think? Yeah. And so I used to think that the reason there was so much more racism back then is because like in a black and white world, like, you know, differences in skin color were more obvious than in in a in a world of more colors and shades. So, um, yeah, I was very young and very stupid, I guess. Uh, Number 11 is King Richard. This is a uh, a terrifying alternative history where uh, Richard Nixon, uh, in response to the threat of impeachment, uh, organizes an insurrection of his supporters to come to Washington. And basically, he appoints himself king of America and puts all his enemies in prison. Yeah, you're actually wrong. This is actually a spinoff from uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, where Richard Lewis um, mm. becomes king of the world. Ah, OK. <laughs> uh, interesting movie, yeah. Um, so, but seriously, about King Richard, people seem to really like this movie. I haven't got around to seeing it yet. Yeah, um, I thought it was great. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This this movie and my number eleven and my number ten are the my top two movies I would recommend to anyone. Everybody would just like say yeah. everyone yeah. will yeah, like I think these. Everyone would like this movie. I saw it. I, the one thing there was a lot of criticism about. Well, how do you make the movie about the dad and not Serena Venus? Well, a couple reasons. A, you can't show that much tennis because they're not professional tennis players. You need to hide the fact that they're not actually Serena Venus Williams. Yeah, I th- although I thought the tennis so, scenes were great. Tennis scenes were amazing, but they 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 you know they have to make it about Richard lessons the tennis stuff. Yeah, um, and it's and it's and, and it's extremely not about Serena at all. To the extent it's about it's, a daughter, well, it's, yeah, it's, all, really it's Venus, all about yeah. Venus. It's like at the end, it's like, oh, by the way, the younger sister became the best tennis player ever, of ever. Yeah, it is funny because and it's like shout out to Venus because she was like would have been such a legendary player, but she's not ultimately not even the best player in her family. But yes, the movie's you know it's nothing. It's not about Serena at all. You're right. Um, it's funny. Yeah, it ends on like such a minor, <laughs> such a like a minor part of uh, like the very first part of her career. But yeah, every everyone will like this movie, and Will Smith is is great in it, and and both sisters, and and the acting is really good the whole way, and they and they nailed the the um they nailed the tennis scenes. Is this a sports movie? I guess. Yeah, there's yeah, so few for sports sure. For sure, made. it's about Venus and Serena. Yeah. Yes, how is it not a sports movie? Yeah, it's a sports movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's a question. Yeah, all right. Number ten is Coda, uh, which is an acronym which yes. stands for. Um, I don't know. Just, just tell me what code is about. Children, it's, it's children of, of deaf adults. Yeah. Yes, children yeah. of deaf adults. Uh, which is what the movie's about. It's about a family where all the parents and one child are deaf, and then there's a daughter who is not deaf, and it's you know this coming of age drama. Um, has comedic elements, and it's this uh, young girl kind of navigating her social life and her academic life and everything that you know m- all children go through, while at the same time basically being like the caretaker for her family in many ways, you know, they're just, you know, they have this uh, fish business where she has to do a lot of the legwork, you know, the negotiating, the communicating, because they're obviously unable to um, the way most of us do. And it was just this, you know, people are definitely, you know, criticizing this movie. think people are, you know, describing it as like, you know, a glorified Hallmark movie. I thought it was really excellent. I thought it was very moving. I I got a lot out of it. Um, The actors in this movie, other than the speaking character, the, the, the deaf characters are all deaf in real life. Um, so, you know, to their credit, they, that they cast deaf people in those roles, um, Marley Matlin being the most famous among them. Um, the, uh, the man who plays her husband, Troy Kotzer, was uh, nominated for Best uh, Supporting Actor. He seems like he has a good chance of winning that. And it's a movie that I just found really touching, really powerful. And, you know, I laughed, I, I cried, I smiled. It was, it was just a really, really touching movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. excellent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I, it took me eight or nine tries, not an exaggeration, but I finished it. I liked it every time. I, there are certain scenes I've seen five or six times because I would like start at a certain point thing. That's where I fell asleep. And I said, oh, no, I got like 12 minutes past this. Uh, yeah. Coda's great. Uh, it's a unique movie. It is the type of movie that wins the Oscar for Best Picture. Um, maybe a little small for some of those movies. But yeah, I, I think uh, it, it is and it will, even though like it started right off. Uh, it started with, with just three nominations and yeah, very little momentum. But now it's, it's like if they voted now, it would win ninety to ten. I just it may have been if they lose, it's because it was like their momentum yeah, came. Like people it, didn't really see it until like a little bit too late. Possibly, it, it definitely got late exposure. It, it premiered at Sundance and then it was only streaming streaming on Apple TV. Um, it is yeah, it is considered now at this point a two horse race between Coda and The Power of the Dog for Best Picture. Um, with you know The Power of the Dog being the more conventional conventional early front runner and Coda picking up a lot of steam recently. It's doing really well at the uh, various, uh, you know, SAG and PGA awards. And, you know, we'll see, you know, it's an open question now going into Oscar night who will emerge victorious. Is, is this more open than we've had in a few years? Um, I feel like it's been pretty open in general the last few years. I mean, last year, Nomad, Nomadland was very much considered a front runner. It won. Uh, two years ago, Parasite uh, was a surprising win. I mean, people thought it had a chance, but 1917 was considered the odds on favorite. Uh-huh. Um, the year before that, I think, was Green Book over um, Roma, which was definitely open heading into Oscar night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Oscars have become very predictable in many ways just because the, you know, the the different guild awards are like so publicized now and like the odds take everything into account. So it's like it's really very chalky, but there's always like two or three big surprises that people don't see coming. So I guess that's why you watch. Our number nine on Ob's list, we have 
being the Ricardos, you know, my, my wife claims to be like a huge I Love Lucy fan. I'm surprised she has not expressed any interest in this movie or even like mentioned it to me. Ever. Is it possible? We discussed this, but is it possible she's not actually a huge I Love Lucy fan? Well, it also she's might be casual. possible. She's that, a casual. Well, being the Ricardos, I, I think what I told her, maybe that's why she's not interested, is actually it's a tragedy about Ricardo Rincon, the uh, setup man. <laughs> From yes. the late '90s and early aughts, who year after year mm -hmm. loses in the first year of the uh, first round of the playoffs for the Indians, and then for yes. the A's, and then he's out of baseball, and then he comes back at the age of 38 in 2008 with the New York Metropolitans for one last chance of winning a playoff series. And the Mets all season long, it looks like they're going to win the division. In the last week of the year, they tragically fall to the Phillies and they don't make the playoffs. Very tragic. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a sequel to Moneyball. Uh, yeah, being the Ricardo, being Ricardo is directed by Aaron Sorkin, so it's an Aaron Sorkin movie. If you love Aaron Sorkin, you you know what to expect. If you hate Aaron Sorkin, you know what you'll hate. Um, I think this was probably his best uh, directorial movie, um, and I, I really I was really taken by it. I really liked it a lot more than I expected. Um, I thought Nicole Kidman was fantastic as uh, Lucille Ball, and it really uh, showed me a portrayal of Lucille Ball that you know I I wouldn't say I was ever like that familiar with her, um, other than just like knowing who she was. Like I didn't know that much about her her history and her backstory but it showed her as someone who was like much more involved in the creative and particularly the it was like almost like curb like where like they're creating the show as they were making it with her as the the dominant creative force behind it and that was just like super interesting to me didn't they have to make like an absurd number like 60 episodes a year or something like that they made a lot of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Uh, they, they talk about this. Something I heard before they talk about it in the uh, one of the first scenes of the movie that they were able to track that like water usage in America or, or maybe in New York or whoever they there was was um, was like significantly decreased during the time that I Love Lucy was on the air because like people would all just gather around the TVs to watch rather than like doing laundry, doing dishes, doing whatever else, because like it was just I like, can't miss. People should have been using their DVRs more, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You just got yeah. you know, you to plan better. Yeah. All right, number eight is West Side Story. Uh, this is a story about uh, gangsters from the West Side, which, of course, refers to California, who uh, are always flashing West Side, uh, the symbol with their fingers, of course, and uh, despise people who live in Manhattan because that's uh, East Side. Yeah, we could do the, these two together. West Side Story number eight and The Heights number seven. Uh, much higher than I ever would have expected two musicals to be on my list, especially since I had seen the original West Side Story and wasn't a fan of it. I thought this uh, adaptation was far superior to it. Just like the vibrant color, the incredible dance numbers, dance sequences. Were just now, like you, I think you didn't screen. you say on There Will Be Pod that you didn't like the original West Side Story? That's what I just said five seconds ago. Oh, OK. <laughs> People are always writing to the podcast saying Alex doesn't listen. I was like literally the listening. words I said right before you asked that question. <laughs> he doesn't listen. I was trying to show off that I listened to you on another podcast that I wasn't on. Yeah, I wasn't no, a fan of the other podcast I was on with you. I wasn't a fan of the original other than uh, Officer Krupke. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was just like incredibly made, great acting, just like great scenery, great imagery in the Heights as well. Um, you know, both of these, these are two places where I uh, spent a great deal of my life living, both on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and, and in Washington Heights. Um, in the Heights is just like, it's just this incredible portrayal of, of a place. Um, just the way it brings alive, just like the different communities in Washington Heights, the sounds, the sights. Um, just I, I was very you know, just raptured by it um, much more than I ever expected. I never saw the show. Obviously, I'm a big Lin-Manuel Miranda fan, uh, but the music is great. The, the characters are great. And it, as I said, like it just, you know, it, it has this idea of communities within communities that are kind of just like living near each other, which to me was just really interesting as someone who spent so much time in Washington Heights among these communities and you know, because I was young, because I, you know, was, you know, lived in an insular community, like never really paid much attention to other communities around us there, other than just like, you know, people that you pass as you're like, you're walking to the train. It was just like really fascinating to like, kind of like do a deep dive there. If someone's watching only one of these two movies, which one would you recommend? Oh, uh, probably West Side Story. Oh, okay. I think, I think in the Heights, uh, I appreciated more just because of my connection to that place. Um, whereas West Side Story, I think West Side Story is uh, more famous, independent of our personal lives, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was very excited when In the Heights came out on Broadway because I was like, oh, The Heights. Like, I identified, like you said, that was my neighborhood, I felt like, um, in a way like that, you know, other than Minnesota, like and that's the only place I really felt that way. All right, number six, very high ranking for a real avant-garde artistic movie test pattern. It's just two hours long of a test pattern on screen. That's that's right. Yeah, I uh, I really liked the, you know, the, the imagery was great. Mm. Um, it is also in black and white, obviously. 
uh, not a black and white. No. Uh, it's a movie about a. It's actually as well. It's a. It's a black uh, woman who has a white boyfriend, and there's a say. night on which she gets uh, sexually assaulted. And the movie is basically him driving around with her to various, you know, hospitals and Planned Parenthood type places. Um, trying to see if she can get tested with a rape kit. And what they find is that, you know, due to, um, you know, um, shortages or lack of funding, this is uh, easier said than done. This is uh, in all places in America. It's not so simple to just be able to get uh, the proper testing and proper health care for these types of things. So it is a movie that is definitely political, but is not as overtly political as, you know, you would expect a movie like this to be. It really is kind of like laying below the surface. Um, it also, I think, was just like a really interesting portrayal of this character who like they make it very clear, like what type of person this is politically like, you know, the early parts of the movies, there's a lot of stuff talking about like how much she hates Donald Trump and like, you know, what, what, what her different political views are. But like when this thing happens to her, which, you know, if, if she was viewing it in a purely political context, like she would like absolutely be like advocating for all the right things. But like when it happens to her, um, she, she takes like, just like, a much more personal approach to it. She wants it to just like be over with. She wants to forget about it, which is obviously understandable. Um, but it's just like an interesting uh, contrast there in terms of like the way they put like her like outspoken political beefs alongside um, her personal. And um, it was, I, I thought, a really excellent movie. It's short. It's, uh, it, um, you know, touches on important subjects and is very, very worthwhile, in my opinion. Akiva, have you seen it? Uh, no, I have not. But no. it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Number five, we're getting to the top five. Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, my son, who is a Spider-Man obsessive, uh, like he literally, other than Shabbat, he literally only wears Spider-Man clothing. He has a yeah, my, my son of too. 20 to 30 Spider-Man t-shirts. Spider-Man socks. Yeah, you said your son. My, also. Son, my son has it. Yeah. Same underwear, yarmulke, shoes. Yeah. He has Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man light up shoes, Spider-Man pants, uh, Spider-Man hat. And by the way, my jacket. son doesn't watch a lot of Spider-Man on TV. No, and neither does my likes. son. Yeah, it's purely the toys. He actually told me the other day, he said to me the way Spider-Man, most superheroes um, like Spider-Man is real, is a real person. And there are yeah. many Spider-Man, he was telling me, he's aware enough of the, of the movies to understand there's multiple Spider-Man now. And anytime you eat a spider, you turn into a Spider-Man. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure it's that the spider bites you. And he's like, no, mm -hmm. no, no, it's you eat a spider. You eat a spider, then you become a Spider-Man. And he told me further, the reason there are no Jewish Spider-Man is because of the fact that spiders aren't kosher. So, right. That's yeah. probably true. Yeah. That's why. Mm, yeah, that's the only reason. Isn't there like a stat, like the average person eats like eight spiders a year or something like that? Yeah, I think that was like a Snapple fact, but I don't know yeah. how, how true those are. Fact. Yeah, I don't know how you'd accidentally eat. I can imagine like you eat portions of spiders that are like in food accidentally. But I feel like a live actual spider in the hole, you're going to notice if you're eating it and you're not going to eat it. I would think, yeah, I don't unless think I eat wanna, spiders. Unless you want to become a Spider-Man. Right, if you want to become a Spider-Man, you have to eat spiders. Yeah, now, yeah, I heard you talk about this one also on the Will Be Pod, uh, which you can get every month uh, featuring Sammy, uh, Chester, and John Patrick and our own Nav Sinetsky. But tell us here uh, for this listenership, uh, which might have uh, some strong overlap. Why do you like Spider-Man No Way Home so much? Yeah, it's actually my third favorite of the Marvel Spider-Man movies. So um, it's um, I, I, it's just, you know, it was really just like a culmination of like everything they've done before with um, the various Spider-Man um, with, you know, different things coming together, different villains, different roles, just kind of like all combining. It's, um, you know, Tom Holland has been always my by far my favorite version. Um, and I, you know, I think this uh, movie shows again why um, he just like has that like child affectation and like the charisma to pull it off in a way that I think previous Spider-Man uh, truly great. Um, it's like it almost made it so that these like this the three um, arc Marvel uh, series was kind of like the origin story for Spider-Man in a way for going forward to see where it goes. Akiva, have you seen Spider-Man No Way Home? Uh, no, I've no. But by the way, the, I think the best one for kids, if you're going to show them, I think is the Into the Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. That one's amazing. Yeah, yeah one. that one's very good for kids. Yeah. yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. What? My kids now, loved it. Our number four on your list is nine days. Uh, to get inside Jewish baseball, there's a period of mourning on the calendar of a year called the nine days uh, when it's the nine days up until uh, the ninth. of It's the first nine days of the month of Av, appropriately for Av here, which is uh, the saddest time of the Jewish year. And it's mourning the, the destruction of the temples and all the other genocides and holocausts that have happened to the Jewish people. And among the prohibitions in the nine days is you're not allowed to eat meat. But because we like to eat meat, we have a workaround, which is if you gather with a group of people who are celebrating completing the study of a book of the Torah, then in celebration of the completion of that book of study, you can all eat meat. So this movie uh, is an hour and a half of a rabbi giving a lecture after which you see a group of uh, Jews eating meat. 
Yeah, it's, it's just them saying Rummy Bar Papa, Ruff Ruff Rum Bar Papa. <laughs> a lot of our Papas there. Yeah. A lot of our Papas. Papa had a lot of kids. Yeah, Nine Days uh, is a absolutely beautiful movie. Um, it stars Winston Duke, who is kind of like the overseer of this uh, netherworld where souls live in the uh, the time before humans are born. And it, uh, I, I don't really want to say too much more other than like it's kind of like this competition among souls to see which one of them has the privilege of being born. And it's just like one of the most like poignant movies I've ever seen, just kind of like about the experience of being human and what that means and what's important. Um, I saw this at like a very, um, you know, I was like going through like a, a career transition at that time. And it's um, it just really hit me in the right place in terms of being a movie about like priorities and, and, and meaning and, and life and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's an, an absolute must recommend for me. Um, you know, I, I, did, I have gotten some pushback from a couple of people that they, they didn't really love it. But uh, to me, this is just like a no brainer. Everyone should go see this. Everybody. OK, Akiva, have you seen it yet? I have not. Mm, all right. OK, number four is uh, excuse me. That was number four. Number three is uh, Shiva, baby. Shiva, of course, uh, one of the uh, the Hindu gods. And I'm looking up. Shiva has uh, five children. Uh, I Kalt- love that Alex doesn't Shiva, know this. Ganesha, Ashu Kasundari, Shivansh, and Ayapan. The, 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 one, the one time he goes away from the Jewish uh, definition. I know. <laughs> what a mistake. It's literally Shiva, baby. Yeah, I know that, you doofus. That's, I've, I've How are we all... supposed to know what you know? How are we supposed to know? You How know have I not nothing? heard what of any of these movies? Doing? I listen to Ops podcast talking about movies every month. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them, but I know what they are. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, you guys thought I had heard of Picasso, so I guess anything's possible. Yeah. But yeah, obviously I wasn't going to say Shiva because then it's not funny. The funny thing is to mm-hmm. go away from the Jewish thing. But then, right. guys, all right. Anyway. All right. We ruined it. We ruined okay, it. Okay. Yes. It's, it's a, yes. I also pronounce it Shiva. Why would I ever say Shiva? Yeah. It's about the uh, the the trophy in the league. Yes. Shiva. Yes. All right. Um. So Shiva, baby. Ah, uh, yes. A very Jewish movie. But tell very us why Jewish Gen- movie. Tell me why Gentiles should watch it. Yeah, well, so it's, it's a Jewish horror, very much a movie about a, uh, a young Jewish woman who is um, has anxiety over the fact that, you know, her parents want her to be successful and like go to law school or become a doctor. And she uh, is, uh, you know, trying to make something for herself while still uh, living living on their dime. Um, it is, you know, very much about like female empowerment and, you know, a, a young woman trying to navigate the world and like embrace her sexuality. Um, it's a great movie about uh, female friendship. Um, it was just, um, you know, to me, like, you know, if, if I was already completely in as you know just from the title so like maybe that's not the best uh case for other people but um i I think certainly you know non-jewish people would get something out of this as well um i just found it to be like extremely funny extremely charming and just really you know hit me where i like it but imagine being hindu and going into this movie knowing nothing about it how disappointed you are that would be disappointing yeah i saw i saw closer uh the movie with uh, natalie portman and clive owen yeah. And uh, because I thought it was going to be about like, you know, uh, Joe Nathan and Mariana Rivera. And I was very confused and disappointed. Yeah. You gave it insufficient praise. Yes. And it's uh, I think it's pronounced closer. But yeah, I call it closer. All right. Number two, licorice pizza, which sounds like just a, a great topping for pizza. Right. Licorice. Good. Pizza. Good. Yeah. Sounds delicious to me. Yeah. Licorice pizza written, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, one of my very favorite filmmakers working today. Um, not not in my opinion, one of his very best, but still just like uh, an outstanding movie here. Typical PTA creating creating combinations of sight and sound, incredible soundtrack, incredible choreography of the scenes, you know, back to music. Two t- phenomenal performances by the leads here, one of whom is the son of the of the deceased Philip Seymour Hoffman. The other Alana Hayim from the band. Um, very Jewish movie also in certain ways. And just like, you know, a ton of fun. This definitely a vibes movie over a plot movie that not so much happens here. Some extraordinary cameos and just a ball of fun, a ball of laughter, dripping with nostalgia from 70s California. And I absolutely loved it. Now, here's my question for you. Um, obviously, this is a PTA movie. Boyhood is a link later movie. So they they don't have anything in common, except in my head, they're sort of linked. Um, is there any reason for that? Does it have anything to is it in any way comparable to boyhood or no? Am I wrong? I don't think it's any, at all comparable to boyhood. What in what way are you saying that? I don't know, because boyhood is also a vibes movie about about a kid growing up and being a teenager. And it's not as much about the plot. And it's a movie that everybody liked that. I sort of didn't really like so much. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you watch um, Liquor's Pizza, Alex? No, because I'm afraid it's going to be like boyhood, which I hated, which everybody else, I've including love. Hmm. So that's what I'm telling you. So tell me why, if you didn't like boyhood, you'll still like Liquor's Pizza. I mean, I, I like all the PTA movies. So maybe that's the answer. It's not like boyhood. Yeah, okay. Because they're not, not like boyhood. Okay, because they're not similar. All right, yeah, I, I have no idea why, but in my head, I've just decided it's like boyhood. Yeah, I, I don't know. Link later and PT have nothing in common, so I don't know why I thought that. Keith, you saw this one. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, I, well, of, of course. Of course. Of course. Well, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, so do I. I haven't seen it. I guess I don't love him so much. I, I, first of all, the name pizza, even though they're two of my favorite things, terrible. No, you hate um, licorice. Oh, you, you like you like red candy. You like red Twizzlers. Yes. Yeah, I like a Twizzler. So that's licorice. Yeah. No, it's a, you hate actual licorice. Which so to me, for, first of all, there is it is a um, it is pretty Jewy, Alex, playing themselves or not themselves, but they're all t- in the movie and their dad, I think, is their dad. And they're and that's a great scene also. Um, but I, I think the problem with the movie is that it's based on a love story. That's like statues. It's a little problematic. Uh, yeah, that's so it's hard to really I, like. I guess I should have mentioned that. Yeah, you know, it's weird. They could have like done it and made him eighteen, and it was the reason why they yeah. didn't, but they didn't. Yeah, whatever. Uh, to me, depiction is not endorsement. That doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't ruin the movie for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is kind of very central to the to the themes of the movie, which is about like a younger person who just like can't wait to grow up, and, a, and an older person who you know wishes she was still younger and like you know had opportunities to like do her life over again. Um, so I think that that certainly adds to it. But yeah, I guess they could have made it still a little work. All right, and should we get to number one? Um, Akiva, why don't you tell us what number one is? I think that would be appropriate. It's the movie's about Akiva, so. Oh, yes. The movie is about uh, who many of his friends refer to as the worst person in the world because of how uh, bad he is. Uh, this is a uh, Norwegian film. So Norway by... has like the best cross-country person, the best hurdles runner, best chess player. Uh, and, and now they have the best movie. It's a big time for Norway. Yeah, uh, directed by Joachim. Uh, the movie is framed as just kind of like a series of like 10 connected vignettes. It's all, you know, co- you know, continuous and tell a, a complete story. Um, but it's just it's it's done. The, um, and it kind of taps into uh, this really interesting idea. The other think of an age movie, um, which typically we think of being about someone who's like, you know, a, a teenager or when you become an adult um but like in our times like you know many ways you know the expression 30s the new 20 of you um it very much feels like that's been postponed there's been like this arrested development uh for our generation and this really taps into the way that like it's really like your late 20s when many people finally become like an adult um like that's when like you're deciding whether to like you know settle down get married you know what, what career you're really gonna go with um you know after you'll kind of like try out various things in your 20s um, and it just like taps into this notion of like a person in their late twenties where everything just like feels so high stakes. It feels like all the decisions you make at that moment are going to uh, impact the rest of your life in such an important way, um, where, you know, somebody who does something wrong, they like really feel like they are the worst person in the world, even though, you know, many people have done worse things. Um, everything just seems so important and so amplified and the acting performances of this are just like so over the top sensational between the two leads. Um, it has a scene that is probably my favorite scene in the movie in years. Um, and just like, I thought it was an absolute masterpiece. This is like the one movie from this year that I would like put on a pedestal with the best movies from other years. And everything after this is, is kind of like, you know, a, a minus or best. This is an absolute A plus. Wow. Okay. So this is a movie that I need to see even more than King Richard or anything else. To me, this is the clear best movie of the year. Like nothing else was even close wow. to this for me. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it wasn't my number one of the year. But um, what's your number one? It was really good. I had coded number one. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it's top 10 and offset. Everybody should see that one also. So uh, let's talk for a second about the Oscars. Uh, Ava Kiba, you guys excited about the Oscars at all? Are you even going to watch? I'll watch, but I'm not excited. Uh, no, the Oscars are dead. They're less popular than preseason football. We also have another podcast recorded this second. So let's get to that. So basically, all right, we had to do this podcast now because the Oscars, which Akiva now says are dead. Got it. All right. Uh, Av, thank you so much. Uh, where welcome. can we hear you, Av? Uh, you could hear me on pretty, pretty, pretty good. A Curb Enthusiasm podcast uh, that I do with Alex every week. Uh, we are we just started season 10. So we are we have nine episodes to go in the series. Um, very wistful, but very exciting. And um, check in if you haven't yet. This is the time to jump on board. And if you want to hear Av's movie takes uh, once a month, uh, sometimes more, but I think once a month generally. Right. Yeah, there, there uh, will we, be pod. We, we generally skip like the early part of the year. But yeah, there will be pod with, uh, as you mentioned before, with John and Sammy. Um, all about moving to releases. All right, Wheels, where can we hear you? We'll hear you on a patron pod that we're going to start recording in 30 seconds. Yeah, you'll hear, you'll hear me in two minutes. Don't All right, bye. I said goodbye to me. I looked in the mirror. Then I began to cry. I leave my things behind for all.
all to see and hope that she will understand why Ending the game is like changing the name of your favorite song Step out of rhyme for the very first time and the song is gone Left to say I'll pack up my memories Then I'll walk away I hope I'm doing right But by tonight The horse and coach will be on his way Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.